0: with another episode of Stories from a Mountain Town. This is your host, Tyler, and I'm here today with Jill King. Jill, uh, could you tell the audience a little bit about yourself?
1: Well, actually, I'm an editor of the magazine called The Scout Guy Jackson Hole. Yes. And then I have a side hustle called Styling the New West. And um, so I juggle both of those businesses. Um, and at some points, Juncture, they all cro- they cross over and kind of become... <coughs> I can style the photo shoots for the, the magazine and then the magazine also helps the styling um, business. So yeah. it's kind of nice that they work hand in hand.
0: Yeah. I like that you called it a side hustle and uh, a, um, a continued concept that we've ta- that I've talked about on, this, on the show a bunch of times is that in Jackson, you either have two jobs or two houses. A lot of people live here, like even people like yourself, pretty successful um, in your career, you still have a side hustle mm-hmm. and like, I have a side hustle. Everybody has side hustles because it's just that's what you do here to to be able to live here. You have to do something like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you called it that.
1: Yeah. No. what and one my styling in the new west is more of a creative endeavor for yeah. me. So it's kind of nice it. It's it it's secondary. Mm-hmm.
0: So so is it like a interior design or what kind of styling do you do?
1: So um my main Business with that is holiday design mm-hmm. for um, high end clients out of like shooting star or whatever. So, yeah, I design um, their kind of holiday experience. Uh-huh. Um, and then the rest of the year, I kind of support most of those clients with like floral or dinner parties or mm. um, now I'm coming out with an ornament line. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be exciting.
0: Ornaments for like Christmas trees. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Mm-hmm. That's so cool.
1: Yeah. So in uh, the first series, I just got the design back. It's um, called the Town Square Series. Oh, awesome. And it's really a little more kitschy Jackson Hole, mm-hmm. but this, the subsequent series are going to be like the Ski Series, the mm. American Cowboy Series, the American Indian, and Wildlife Series. So they're all going to be able to mix and match, and hopefully down the road kind of yeah. be one you know you could decorate a tree with all of them from Wyoming.
0: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um ornaments like that are one of those things where um like growing up we always had like all these random really intricate ones that like my grandparents gave us or something from like they're really old, they're really intricate. It's like a little it doesn't need to all fit together like other parts of um I don't know like a home decor. It can be like kind of different and Intricate, like I said again, like they're they're fun to like mess around with. I
1: yeah, think. no, it, I mean, it, it's kind of individual and it it's yeah. your own personality. Yeah. But I know a lot of people come to Wyoming and they want a piece of Wyoming to take home with them. And yeah, um, I feel pretty confident that it's it's you know it's going to be something people want. Yeah, definitely. So,
0: so everyone's listening, go check those out. I don't know when they'll be for sale or anything. Hopefully, Christmas. Hopefully, Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Christmas twenty. 20- Twenty one, Yeah. Definitely. Awesome. And um, the Scout Guide, that's, I think, that's how I know you more. Um, tell us a little bit about what the Scout Guide is or tell the audience. I know what it is.
1: <laughs> um, so the Scout Guide is a, um, it's a franchise mm-hmm. from the National Scout Guide. And mm-hmm. I own the City Guide here. Mm-hmm. And there's 60 plus other cities, um, generally in the south. We do have a western region of, like, Park City, Aspen, Boise, Denver, and Tucson. But mainly it, it kind of started in the south. And it's um, a way to shop the local businesses that I've scouted and found that are unique mm-hmm. and interesting that you wouldn't normally run across. Like if you came to, came to a city and you're trying to look for just the most unique parts of the town yeah so the scout guide is supposed to direct you and point you to those neat businesses
0: yeah my favorite part about the scout guide is that it it can take you off the square a little bit mm-hmm. you know there are probably plenty of businesses on the square but like mm-hmm. you could you know a tourist could drop into town go around the square and find those business fairly easily Yeah. but like with kate or like if you you know um with house call hydration they're not on the square um they're out here in Wilson but if you're a tourist you you still may want to know about them mm-hmm. maybe you buy a exactly. house here one day so you need you'll need Kate mm-hmm. or you get you have to, a little bit too much fun at the cowboy bar so you'll need Lindsay and Taylor <laughs> right and Teresa Free and post yeah so it, what that yeah what I love about it is that it's not just the t-shirt shops it's not just the cowboy bar it's mm-hmm. it's a really good view of local businesses run by really great people in the whole valley
1: right a snapshot of of, yeah. of places that you wouldn't normally run across and mm-hmm. hopefully that's kind of um what I do on an annual basis. We come out with a guide, we mm-hmm. print a guide, and um uh the local businesses um that I've scouted for the year are in the guide mm-hmm. and um yeah we we do a lot of marketing for them mm-hmm. we do social media, we do networking opportunities for them um we publish the beautiful print guide mm-hmm. and um editorial pieces i write a blog on each of my members Mm -hmm. and um just do what i call comprehensive marketing for small business Mm -hmm. because it's kind of hard for a small business to get to all those things yeah oh i know this is
0: (laughs) so this hat i'm wearing is my little marketing bit my side hustle i started a marketing agency with my best friend and so jackson it's just our last names merle to marketing um, so Jacksonville still works as our, is our main client here. And then we have, um, we've done work for the Lynx golf course, Lynx at Teton Peaks golf course and Driggs. Um, and then we've had a couple clients in Minnesota in the twin cities of Minnesota, which is where I grew up.
1: Oh, great. Yeah. And, um, do you love marketing?
0: I do. Yeah. That's what my best friend and I both happen to go to the same college and have the same degree, um, in marketing and, um, I, my, my day job is in tech sales. So I sell software to banks and professional services to banks during the day. Um, But I just love the impact that just a few changes can have on a small business.
1: I agree. I, I really love marketing. Always have. Yeah. Um, I started out in New York City and uh, doing marketing in the marketing department for a a big firm there. Mm. And, um, my side hustle at the time was being a singer and oh. in down in the village. Wow. Writing music and singing.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Is that so that's the C D you mentioned? Yeah. I wasn't I, I was guessing it was like some sort of singing or music, but I didn't know <laughs> I didn't know you were a singer. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it, it as much as I love marketing, um, I loved writing music and singing as well, but I loved the marketing behind pushing out my music. Yeah. I really have always just mm-hmm been very passionate about marketing or can kind of see how somebody could do whatever they're doing better or, Mm -hmm. you know, how to really present yourself. And, um, I feel like that's kind of been a thread going through all the things that I've done in my life is that marketing, whatever I'm doing has been kind of primary. Yeah. And you know, all the, all the things that I run across, I'm like, Oh, I, you know, how can I really make this, better or push it out or yeah. uh, advertise it or whatever. So, um, yeah, so when, um, we, when, uh, it was time for me to leave New York, um, I had an aunt that worked at the hotel, word hotel and she ran it and, um, I decided to come out here and sing. Oh, awesome. She had me singing in the bar and she had me waitressing and she had me pouring coffee and. In exchange, I got to sing in the bar every night. That is such a good exchange. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. <laughs> yeah. And um, then I had a cowgirl group here, um, Christine Langdon and Shelley Rubric, And we did a lot of road trips. We were on, like, the cowboy poetry uh-huh. circuit. Yeah. And I was the marketing agent again, you know. I always, like, we'd, we made a tape, you know. We had a look. Mm-hmm. We were the cowgirl singers. And... Um, yeah. So, you know, um, marketing has just been kind of something that I've loved to do, yeah. kind of woven in and out of all the things that I've done.
0: Yeah. Having that ability, just because I've, I've always said that marketing is just sell- selling to the masses or macro selling. Mm-hmm. So having that ability to sell yourself or sell an organization, um, you know, or get more eyes on it is is a skill that that I don't think enough people learn. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I learned it in business school. I don't know if if you went to college or anything like that. But like, just you learn that skill to sell yourself, sell a business, sell whatever, market things. It's something that can go past just social media or making money through business. Like it could be in an interview. It could be it could be getting a some sort of promotion. Yeah. Like, you know, like it's a skill that I think a lot of people should have.
1: Well, I think you're selling something at all times of the day. Yeah. You're selling I mean selling
0: so on the idea of coming on a podcast right, selling yeah. right selling uh magazines or would you call the scout guide a book or a magazine
1: so it's called a print guide i print guess print guide okay um,
0: cuz it's not really like the a thin guide. paper like a magazine yeah but it's not it's not like a not like one of a book like that right but yeah
1: it um the national scout guide dictates the you know the 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 weight of the paper and so that it's all uniform across the markets and so they have um you know they have a a marketing Mm -hmm. guideline that we have to adhere to so that all the city books look similar feel similar have the same cover even though the colors are different so it has the same branding
0: yeah same size shape that same like it's like a cross kind of on it Uh right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
1: and I think that's part of why I really love the Scout Guide is the Mm -hmm. branding of all of it. Yeah. And my husband, you know, he tells me, he goes, you're like the easiest person to sell something to. That's because I understand marketing. Mm -hmm. And when it works, I really, I mean, it's great. Yeah. And um, you just have to transfer that over if you're selling, whatever you have, you're selling to somebody else. Yeah, You have to be... Be in love with it that way so that you can sell it to somebody else.
0: Yeah. It's know? hard. To, it's definitely hard to sell something if you don't have a passion for it or like mm-hmm. it or or believe in it. Yeah. It's that much easier. Like in my sales career, there's there's products where I'm like, you know, this isn't that great of a product. It's expensive or whatever. And it's like, I want to push it because I can make money. But at the same time, it's like, ah, there's, I don't really, I'm not digging this right now, yeah. <laughs> but like, it's so easy for me to do work for still works and like get the word out and tell people about them and tell them to go, go there. And, and all of our clients, because I believe in all of our clients. Exactly. Right.
1: Yeah. And that's your job then to transfer that passion in- and love or, or whatever you see in them. Yeah. Into executing that into. I want you to feel that same way when you look at the product. Yeah. You know?
0: Cause for, yeah, for all, all except for one of our clients, it's a commercial construction company in Minnesota that builds like uh, schools and um, government buildings and hospitals, except for them, all of the other clients we've ever worked with. I was a consumer of the business before I was their marketing. We were the marketing team, mm-hmm. right. With, with Stillworks, um had their, had their, gin and vodka had their sloshies Uh, my girlfriend is friends with Chaz's wife from the hospital they're both um, labor and delivery nurses Um, shout out to Ellen and uh, (laughs) so then we got kind of in contact that way but I was consuming them before I got into um, promoting them Mm -hmm. right so I I felt I I went through their sales funnel on my own and now I understand how do I get people into there how can I push people into there that aren't me
1: yeah right yeah how are the sloshies
0: they're delicious. They're I'm I'm not saying this because I'm in contract with them. I'm saying this because I love the sloshies. they're the best in town. Because a lot of other places they use uh crappy alcohol, you know, like a Kharkov or Phillips, but Stillworks um liquors are delicious. They're w- much more high quality than those, obviously. And then the other ingredients, whether it's like a fruit or this the different flavorings, they don't just pour like syrups into there and then mix it with ice like they'll do real fruit they have a relationship with like a i think right down the road there's like a garden center or something from them oh right, right. that like sometimes has produce and they'll give them they'll give Stillworks some of the older produce to like if it's like if they can't sell it they can figure out how to put it into a drink oh okay. right or they'll do um their their ex lover is their is my favorite of their sloshies it's like serrano pepper infused they infuse their vodka with serrano peppers and they actually have the peppers in there. So it's not just like a spicy syrup or something. Right. So it's really good ingredients, really good booze, really good people. So yeah, they're amazing. You
1: might need to have them talk to the Hoback market. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't think they're quite, um, I think they could use the sloshy. Yes, definitely.
0: Yeah. We've been talking about this with, with Chaz and Trav. Was the Hoback Market the first place to have sloshies? I, it could know?
1: be. And you ought to see the line every Friday afternoon. Yeah. Every time, or every day. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, maybe the mixology could happen down there. Yeah. The magic. Definitely. Yeah. The
0: people that Chaz and Trav <laughs> hired, they're all like really experienced um, bartenders. They like a lot of them have worked at the Rose before. So they really know what they're doing, like mixing stuff up. Even something as simple as a sloshy, you'd think, might be. Mm-hmm could be easy to do they're like no we're gonna put like ginger in here we're gonna put like we're gonna make a chai tea toddy you know like they get really creative and really intricate in how they mix things
1: i don't have i haven't had one yet so i will get you i'll look forward to yeah (laughs)
0: um how long have you been how long have you lived in jackson
1: so when i uh trucked out here oh let's see like 89 and um i was singing around town with the cowboy the mm-hmm. rancher the wort Alpenhof. um i was singing probably maybe close to a year and i met my husband he was an outfitter here nice and he came in and um heard me sing and um so and at the time then the the ratio was like one girl to seven guys in the town <laughs> isn't it nearly and- <laughs> that now <laughs> It might be. Well, I don't know. It seems like there's a lot more guys, than well, maybe so. Um, but anyway, it was a really fun time. Mm-hmm. It was very Westy and wild, and mm-hmm. it, and it was just really. Um, it was Jackson Hole, just unleashed.
0: It's what we it's what we dream Jackson Hole to be now, yes, probably.
1: But it was really, um, it was really fun. Yeah. And um, we met and um, married and had two girls here and decided that um, it was just not really going to cut it being in the outfitting business. So um, we moved to Texas, mm-hmm. raised our children down there, and I, we were pretty close to Austin. So I recorded a CD down there. It was in the songwriter group down there. Did a lot of music in Austin.
0: Austin is going is going crazy right now.
1: It's crazy. I is it the top place that thirty I, millennials are moving to? I read yeah, something about it's all, it. Yeah, it's
0: all like the California money and millennials are getting out of California and they're going to Austin because it's like a has that cultural scene um with relatively relatively good like real estate prices and everything, cost of living stuff. Um and the taxes are, you know, way, way less. Yeah, yeah. So like there and I think here is another one and uh, probably Colorado is another really popular place yeah. to move to right now.
1: But it um it was a really great place to raise our children and um we owned a ranch outside of like what's called Chapel Hill which is like halfway between Houston and Austin and and um just a really good small town Texas experience yeah. for our our girls and we had a ranch down there and I got to sing and do the things i want to do and just kind of a wholesome way of living. Yeah. Um and so we moved back here maybe 10 years ago. Oh, awesome. Um when our children were older and we could just kind of um move back when it wasn't quite as um i don't know at the time, we were kind of worried about educating our children and just a lot of things. And when we moved mm-hmm. back, I think they'd kind of solved a lot of those problems. But yeah. our children were older then. so. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: What's one thing that stood out to you uh, that you noticed was different between the... Early '90s, Jackson, and when you moved back here, Jackson.
1: I think pr- the first thing is that it was definitely off-season time. There was off-season times where people just closed their businesses, and it wasn't really a year-round community. Yeah. And so you're at a loss, you know, after hunting season to ski season. Uh, there were just businesses that just really rolled, rolled it up. Yeah. And then in the spring, and then they'd kind of wait for the summer to hit, but. It it just wasn't really in motion full-time. Hmm. Um, that's the basic thing that I felt like, you know, businesses kind of opened and closed. And and now, I mean, there's, there's no off-season here, really, none. I don't yeah. think people see that at all.
0: I noticed a dramatic difference just so I've been here. It'll be two years in March for me and Taylor. Um, so our first, let's see. So in 2019, we got the spring off season and the fall, and then and those you could tell there was a dramatic drop in tourists. Mm-hmm. Businesses closed, or they were like lower capacity, less hours, or they did all the locals discounts, and that those are all great. Um, but and then and then 2020 came and COVID came, and there was I kept looking for the day that I'd noticed less campers here, and there was just not any uh, less no. camp, never any less campers in the fall until like it snowed. I know you know. So I'd noticed like in the two years, just a dramatic difference in be- being even less, having even less of an off season.
1: Yeah, no off season. And then also the mix of people, mm-hmm. you know, it was definitely, you know, more Western town mm-hmm. and um, less of a ski town. Yeah. And less of a tourist town. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it just had a different foundational group of people here. Yeah. And um, it wasn't really attracting someone that wanted a, a year-round business because it just wasn't happening that way. Yeah. You know, they were seasonal businesses, outfitting or... Rafting. Rafting. Or, yeah. Yeah. So now it's just more of a year-round community and... Yeah. Um,
0: and the dramatic spikes in people in the in the, the middle of the summer, in the middle of winter... Even if you are a seasonal business, business can carry you through the the dead it, yeah, dead spots. Exactly. Like, there's still a lot of rafting companies that still only do rafting, mm-hmm. right? But they just have so many people in the summer. Have you? Have we seen a? Do we know a number for 2020 summer?
1: I don't know. I'm part of the chamber email, and I I haven't seen anything coming through. Mm-hmm. yet, but I can't imagine it not
0: because I think it's normally like three million in the summer. Right. I I mean I don't really know. I'm bad at like numbers because I don't. I'm not like in the town square all the time. But like, I I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was over four million, four and a half million. Like you you saw those pictures like everybody did of the traffic jams getting into the parking lot or the camping spots. It was crazy in the park. Like yeah, I'd be up there like I drop someone <laughs> off at the airport early, drive around to Kelly just to see animals and. It's like seven thirty in the morning, and there's a traffic jam to get to that Grand that uh, Grovant campsite. Yeah, like what are we doing?
1: I know it was really interesting.
0: And it's like Texas camper, Texas camper, Florida trailer, like California, California camper, like all these. Like there wasn't like a Wyoming plate to be seen.
1: Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of shifts too in my styling business where you know everybody leaves after Christmas their second or third home that I'm decorating. Yeah, but they're just staying. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just they're not going back to wherever they were. They're just using Wyoming as their more full-time home. Yeah. Which is really interesting to me um, because it used to be where, you know, you could drive through some areas and everybody was gone, but, Mm -hmm. you know, they're here now for um, a lot more. And with I think with a lot of the private flying, you see a lot of the... um, homeowners being able to come in and out more frequently and yeah. stay and whatever. So there's yeah, a lot of shifts happening.
0: Mm-hmm. I noticed, um, you know, that like that hill, that butte, once you go over here and cross the river where you're like looking right at all those oh, right. homes on the hill,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I noticed like in years past outside of the like Christmas week and like 4th of July week, no lights would be on at night on that hill. Like mm-hmm. very few people that I think are full-time residents there. This winter I know. It was I all noticed lit up. the whole thing like everybody on that hill is home and just it's like super subjective opinion there but it's like that's just like one example of of what you're just saying those are probably usually probably set a lot of second homes that are right. now mm-hmm. people are there more
1: oh yeah no it's just a lot of pivots and, and shifts and things that are just interesting to me that that also keep me a lot busier with my styling business than yeah um i normally get to kind of shift out of that and you know focus on the guide a little bit more
0: yeah yeah it's not it's not necessarily a bad thing that there's more people here because a lot of people get a lot more opportunity for things it'll just be interesting to see how uh uh, like the long-term effects of like a lot more people in this small area because it's not that big of an area Mm -hmm. you know we really have from you know from valley to valley and then you know, we have so much national land and national forest land that there's not a lot other space that people can even go if they're like, if this mass migration here continues.
1: I know. Well, I had uh, one of the realtors that are in my guide was telling me, kind of giving the lowdown down of how um, now that people have bought into Wyoming, like more of a vacation home, they're really wanting like more land outside mm-hmm. of Jackson Hole, mm-hmm. ranch land or. Land that they can, you know, four wheel on or or you know recreation, recreational land is yeah. that it hasn't stopped. There we're kind of like maxed out here in the valley, but it's not really. Um, I mean, it's it's playing out in pe- people wanting more land in Wyoming and yeah. in other areas, which yeah. is really. A neat shift
0: yeah it's finally happy we I people have been talking about like when will the interest in Jackson move out of the valley a little bit and this is finally it only just took the largest global pandemic in a hundred years for it to happen
1: uh, yeah we own a ranch over on the other side of lander and um, there's so many so much interest in yeah. the land yeah. four five hours away from Jackson yeah and it's um, just Interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, It'd be crazy if, like, one of those places, like one of those landers or Bondurants or something like that, throws down like a, a an airport for that can fit some of these private planes. Like, it's gonna happen. That could that could go nuclear. Yeah, if they could get an airport somewhere it's, like it's that, it's
1: gonna, it's really gonna happen. Yeah, I, I really believe that, and um, just watching, you know, you, you've the last couple years with our ranch over there, um, it's been pretty lonely driving over there but Mm -hmm. not so much yeah anymore Mm -hmm. it just used to be just wyoming trucks on the road and it it's people from everywhere yeah and it's just really interesting i love that people are investing in wyoming um i love the i wouldn't say the real parts of wyoming but the other parts from jackson hole (laughs) i've said the real parts
0: i said we went have you been to the ice bar yet
1: I haven't been down there yet. No. It's so fun. Uh, yeah.
0: We went down there with some friends from Minnesota and they were like, where is it? I'm like, oh, it's out south here a little bit and to the east. And I'm like, this is, we're going to the real part of Wyoming now, like where there's <laughs> real ranches and it's windy all the time. And there's not uh $5 million homes every time you look around. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Yeah. It, but I do love, I do love um, Wyoming. My grandfather homesteaded here. Whoa. Yeah. That's awesome. I know, and um, so I I have a real affinity for it. I didn't grow up in Wyoming. My mom grew up here till like when she was nineteen, and then went to nursing school and joined the Navy. So she really didn't wasn't raised here Mm -hmm. past that time. But um, I think all of us kids in my family have gravitated to some part of Wyoming at some part of our lives, and I'm the only one that lives lives here but um appreciated the homesteading and yeah. you know what they went through to kind of make why what it took to make it work in wyoming yeah um they had a sod house and oh. i mean wow they, where know, was where was the homestead it's it was called dull center which is over on the other side of gillette
0: uh-huh.
1: and um yeah like 15 years ago you could still see pieces of the sod Oh wow! Side of the house and everything. That's crazy. We don't own the land anymore, but yeah. it, it's a, really a nice heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Wyoming is was wild and westy and yeah. Does it make
0: and, you feel more like more like you have that explorer's blood in you? Um, that pioneer's blood. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: The <laughs> ranch right next to ours is the Split Rock Ranch, and I don't know if you're familiar no. with that one, but it it's. It was on the oregon trail oh yeah so we don't have the oregon trail tracks on our ranch but um it definitely is interesting to me and just makes me feel kind of like a part of the real heritage Mm -hmm. in wyoming
0: definitely i think about that often like when i'm driving you know i being from minnesota i I drive back there like far too often but i'm going across you know the flat part of wyoming the wind is blowing so fast i can't see anything and i'm in my nice Ram 1500 truck and I'm comfortable and it's fine. And I can go across the terrain just fine. Um, And then I think like the people that started this state came out here in covered wagons or horses then had to get here at a time in the summer where they could build their sod house fast enough to get it up before winter came. Mm -hmm. And then they had to somehow survive in whether it's out in the open areas or like in the mountain areas by hunting and fishing and gathering enough in the most extreme weather or almost like one of the most extreme weather uh, winters in america <laughs> <clears throat> and then what their clothes were like leather and fur and wool yeah. and i can like this is a north face vest i have like gore Tex stuff i've down <laughs> like how the hell did they do I that
1: i know it sounds terrible doesn't it i had an aunt too that um came across with the mormon population on with the push carts
0: Hmm, I'm not familiar with that. What is that? Um,
1: so the bush cart is, they didn't have animals. They pulled they pulled their cart. Oh, wow. Yeah. The whole Mormon group did that. Oh, my gosh. And um, she was Scandinavian and signed on with the Mormon group because she wanted to um, go west. Mm-hmm. She ended up <coughs> writing a book about her experience with, um, it's called The Cry of the Soul. And, I'm going to um, write that down. And Anna... Anna C. New- Newbigin was her name, and she just tells the whole experience of what it was really like. Um, they walked, they walked the whole way. Yeah, I mean, you didn't really get to pull, get in the wagon unless you were ill or sick or anything because it was just big enough for their stuff. Yeah. So you you walked from St. Louis to you Did know go. to um to Salt Lake. And that experience just seems so kind of unreal that you would actually be walking that far and really desiring to be out West that much. Just to, I don't know. It was just uh.
0: yeah, it blows my mind. If, if you ever read any about, um, anything about Jim Bridger. Mm-hmm. So he's named after Jim Bridger. His oh. name's, his name's Bridger. Um, But I read a book on Jim Bridger and like a lot of the people that got out here, it was like that, like some fur trapping outfitter or some like riverboat was like the only job they could find. And that was Jim's story. He just needed money because he got fired and hopped on a riverboat to go somewhere, go up to like Montana or something. And he became one of the most famous explorers in American history. Mm. But it's so crazy. What, like, what was driving? Do you think it's? Do you think it was like a push? Something was pushing them from where they were, or a pull was the was more of a driving force. Where mm-hmm. it was like that that promise of the new west, yeah, or the old west. I think it was the pull. The pull. Yeah. I do,
1: especially because all my family's Scandinavian, and mm-hmm. um, I think they came to America for you know wanting to gold in their eyes thinking that, you know, everything was gonna be golden and yeah. then when they got there realizing that they really wanted to go west mm-hmm. to in order to have land and have a shot at yeah at life in America. So I think it was like twofold. Yeah. Um but my grandparents um grandma was Swedish and grandpa was Danish and um they were both immigrant children. Yeah. And met and married here and
0: do you have a do you have a Scandinavian maiden name? Uh
1: Nielsen. Nielsen. That's my that's very... mom's Scandinavian name. Yes.
0: Awesome. Um I uh so I'm like maybe like a third Swedish or something, I think. And I've been cross-country skiing lately a little bit more. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm doing I'm doing I just got into skate skiing and I'm like, my the part of me that's Scandinavian is just loving this right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, hell yeah, this is what we're meant for. We're meant to be like did they, I may misspeak here? Did did they do like sled dog stuff, like in Scandinavia too? I don't know. <laughs> For some reason, I just have an image of like compiling like all of Siberia and Scandinavia. Everyone just used huskies or something like that. <laughs> but I was being I was <clears throat> we t- we taught them how to pull us on the skis, so we're like skijoring or whatever it's called. I'm like this is. I feel like I'm meant to do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah,
1: you, you're like reaching back to your roots. Yeah,
0: but... and I'm German and Irish too. So then I went and drank a bunch of beer after. <laughs> To, and, and it was green. To, yeah, just to fill out the whole, <laughs> all my roots, get them all happy.
1: Mm. Yeah, I, I I, really love Western history, and mm. I love Wyoming history, and I love being a part of it. And, yeah. um, and for me, it just tucked away inside of me. You know, it's not like something that I usually talk about, but um, it's really cool, too, that my husband loves Wyoming so much. Mm-hmm. He's not from here. Yeah. And... Um, Want you know, wants a ranch, wants mm-hmm. to do things kind of the Wyoming Western way. Yeah. And really proud of that in him, you know, that um, he wants to do it the hard way. Mm. You have to do it the hard way out here. It's yeah. not, ranching is not, uh, it, it's not like Texas ranching. Yeah. Where you live next to a town and, I mean, we live in, Jeff. I mean, the, the house is in Jeffrey City and. Jeffrey said he's not really a town, and it's forty-five minutes to, you know, a town to go to the grocery, and yeah, and it's it's hard. It's a hard way to, to do it.
0: Even yeah, even just living like here, like in town, there's a lot of like a lot of the a lot of unforeseen, like kind of sacrifices that we that we just are okay with because we want to live in this beautiful city. Yeah, right. Like Taylor, Taylor and I are from uh, from Minnesota, so like Texas or I mean Target I mean Target is like a weekly thing there it's like you go you need anything you go to Target like because mm-hmm. Target's to there so everyone there's one in every block um but just like having that convenience of doing that having like you know a lot of other places have a lot cheaper live, cost of living like this is not the easiest place to live in even if you're not ranching right
1: yeah no it's true I mean you you have kind of a western spirit inside of you if you want to yeah live here you know have the wild and woolly <laughs> kind of yeah <laughs> spirit
0: definitely um yeah what else should we talk about
1: um well um we can talk about um my my music i guess yeah let's talk about your music yeah. are you on
0: any online platforms i'm not not even on youtube
1: my, my children you know they keep saying oh we need to put you on spotify mom yeah um and knows, I don't maybe even think like my website even works anymore because I I am not doing <laughs> it anymore. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was really neat. I started out in the village. Yeah, singing with like Suzanne Vega, Sean Colvin, all the uh, Tracy Chapman would come through, and it was such a vibrant folk scene. Yeah, and I loved every minute of it. And um, I just I worked so hard at honing my craft and and just being in the scene, the folk scene it had a resurgence mm-hmm. at about that time. Yeah. Um from kind of like Peter Paul and Mary, I think it dropped off and then, <laughs> you know, then it was like this really great folk scene when yeah. I lived there. And um I don't know, it's just really fond memories for me and just songwriting with different people and just, you know, recording in somebody's closet mm-hmm. and it was just um just such a unique time for me and
0: um when um when did you like had you grown up singing like how did you get into thinking you wanted to wanted to sing
1: or yeah my mom taught me how to play the guitar when i was 10 and i would sit and write songs and i wanted i really wanted to learn how to play um if by bread (laughs) And and then um me and you and a dog named boo that was my second song i learned but um I just you know we come from a family that plays the guitar and sings and mm-hmm. um it's just kind of what we do when we get together. Yeah. And it's kind of I think I'm I'm the only like one that did it professionally but it's could, still something you know we all do when we get we get together.
0: Yeah, that's fun. Could you could you talk me through I I have decent rhythm dancing but I don't have any other musical bone in my body anymore. Talk me through like your your writing process. I've always been astounded by um, songwriters' ability to go from nothing or just like an idea or, or like a, a chord and make an entire song out of it.
1: I know. Well, I, I would write in um, like a hardbound empty book. I would just uh, write every day. Yeah. And then you'd go back and you'd pull pieces out of it or I'd sit down, you know, after work and you know pull the guitar out and find a tune and i found like one little piece of a song that i really wanted to try to craft into a song mm-hmm. and you just i don't know it just kind of gets in your brain and and you just start working with that concept and
0: did you ever did you do the thing where you just like have a notebook like on you at all times like on your nightstand you're like up from a dream like ah gotta <laughs> write this down
1: Not so much like that (laughs) aha thing, but I really did – I mean, I have tons of empty books of just songs and ideas and and more like empty writing, just like kind of like diary writing almost. Mm -hmm. And then you
0: just like – Find a rhythm that goes to it or something.
1: Yeah, and I'm I play by ear, so you know, just sitting and strumming and playing the guitar and yeah. coming up with that. It's so I think it makes it flow a little bit easier because I'm not kind of hindered by like, oh, I gotta, I gotta make it rhythmically correct, or I've got to do yeah. this this kind of Skip, song or whatever. Scale or something. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. it um, it's it's really um something that was kind of a surprise to me as well, that, that I was actually able to do it Mm -hmm. and then kind of get myself out to Wyoming. And then, you know, we, we recorded a tape with the cow, the cow and then, um, I recorded a tape in Boise, my first CD tape and CD. And then it just, um, I don't know. I just love that part of my life a lot. And I love sharing my music with my girls Mm -hmm. and sitting down every... I, a lot of times, just sit down, just sing every night. Yeah. And for fun, just not for a stage or professionally or anything. Yeah. But I sang at a lot of the dude ranches around town, too, when I was back in the day. And that was kind of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) I bet they loved you out there. Well, my husband was like... uh, And I think that's probably why you thought... Like, when we'd go look at these ranches that he wanted to buy, I was like, hey, that, that doesn't look like the Triangle X. Like, I thought we were going to buy, like, a tri- <laughs> spotted horse ranch. Like, this isn't Diamond Cross. <laughs> I, he's like, oh, gosh. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Um,
0: yeah. I would love to be able to just know know how to play the guitar enough to have, like, three campfire songs you know, like three, be able acu- to pull it out. Yeah. Three acoustic songs I could play on a campfire. I'd be, I've tried, I bought a guitar from Facebook marketplace and tried like on YouTube <laughs> to do it. And I got like a month in to like watching these videos. And I was like, I, I'm going to, I have nothing here.
1: Yeah. You need a couple, couple like cowboy tunes, like yeah, something you can play. John Denver tune or something. Yeah. Like that, John right? Denver tune. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be sweet. And just like, or to just be like, you know, sitting in a hammock, be able to like, just pick around a little bit, but that takes like years of experience that I'm too impatient to give to it.
1: It does. It it takes time. Yeah, it really does just to sit and noodle and pick around and you need Mm -hmm. people to play with. I think that's, I think that's the part that you, you learn from somebody else, Mm -hmm. you know? um,
0: Yeah. Learning from YouTube is tough. Yeah. Without anybody to ask questions to. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So anyway, that has been something that's been really special for me. I don't, sing professionally anymore but it it's still kind of yeah something that
0: have you ever have you ever read into kind of the music history of jackson we have like a really cool music history yeah of people that have like come here and played at like the cowboy bar and silver dollar and like this and the different festivals that we've had throughout the years this is like a this is like a like a dark horse of like it, it musical really stops.
1: I know, and it, we really got like the Calpetsy group. We opened for like nitty gritty dirt bands. Oh, Corbett. sweet! Um, That's awesome. There were like tons of people, like, and we were like the the opening act yeah. for a lot of those people, yeah. and people that. I, we would have never been able to open for a nitty gritty dirty yeah, hand, yeah, like in another town, you know. Do was... they have any other song
0: besides Fishing in the Dark? Because I don't know any other one. I
1: don't know. I was so nervous that night, I have no idea even what they played or whatever. <laughs> but, um, you know, like Ian Tyson, I opened for him, and Chris Ledoux, and people that just wanted to come here and play, yeah. they just wanted to be in Jackson Hole, yeah, was so there's like no thing. reason like... for them to come, yeah, that far out of their way to. to to sing here yeah and um i bet that'd be a really good podcast for you to kind of go through the find some more musicians in town kind of bill briggs and that group that know a lot about the musical history
0: yeah oh i have a great story about bill briggs have you ever been to turpin meadow ranch yes so we were just up there last weekend and they have a picture in their bar of Bob Dylan uh-huh. and Bill Briggs. I've seen it. Yeah. And I asked the bartender like, hey, what's the story behind this picture? And um, Bob Dylan was someone's plus one at a wedding and was like, you know, he was getting after it. He was a little drunk. And then Bill Briggs just pulls him up on stage <laughs> to make him play with him. And so the picture is just Bill, Bob Dylan looking all grumpy and drunk playing a guitar because <laughs> he's just pissed that he has to do this while he's supposed to be like relaxing like at a just at a wedding. And then Bill Briggs is all just like psyched playing his guitar. So it's just an awesome Not the picture. Banjo. Yeah. Or no banjo. He was yeah. playing banjo. Yeah. yeah.
1: Roll down the line probably.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that, that's just an awesome picture.
1: Yeah. it's. I've done some gigs at the stagecoach too with, um, yeah. with, with Bill. It's very fun. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And um, it's just, have you been to the stagecoach pre-COVID? Like when they'd have their Sunday night. Church yes. Yeah. A, couple, church. a few
0: times for church, and then um, a lot more. I mountain bike in the summer, so a lot more like post mountain bike ride, just chilling out out in the open there. Yeah. 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 City Inst- Coach is awesome. Institution. Yeah. Um, I love whenever I take people for the first time to the Cowboy Bar. I love showing them, down by the staircase to the bathrooms, that um, that Willie Nelson ticket. That's th- that's in the, one of the mm-hmm. cases. Have you seen that one? I
1: haven't seen it for no. I haven't looked there just, for a while.
0: It's just a little ticket stub from a, from when Willie Nelson played there, like in the seventies, like years ago. And it's like it's like a it's like two dollars to see Willie Nelson <laughs> at the Cowboy Bar. And I just think it's one of the coolest things in in that whole place. Yeah. Just to speak to like, even though it's a small venue, like some big names have come through.
1: They've rolled through. Yeah. They really have. Yeah. yeah. It's um. It was quite the scene back in the day. Mm-hmm. Brawls and fights and yeah, lots of whiskey. Yeah. Taylor's
0: <laughs> Taylor's dad and his brothers actually got kicked out of there. Like <laughs> got thrown out in like the 80s. They they rode This is a weird story. They rode know.
1: the hor- a horse in there? No, they okay, rode they
0: rode the trains from Minnesota. They just hopped on a train and got to here somehow. Like didn't <laughs> drive a car. They hopped on trains and got here. And we're there drinking. And then one of the guys was like a wrestler. So he like, there was somebody who was talking smack and they got beat up and Oh, Bridger. Bridger's having a little puppy nightmare. <laughs> um, And they got thrown out of the cowboy bar back in the day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my husband can tell a couple of those stories. <laughs> but anyway, he, yeah. I think he was wean- weaned at the cowboy bar. He tells a story that like nobody knew how old he was, uh-huh. and then when he went in to have his twenty first birthday, they were like, "Crap, you weren't 20 <laughs>
0: They've really they've really cracked down on that. They they have even, have even the last. I like, mean, it
1: was. I don't think it really mattered back then, but yeah. it does now. But
0: back in the era, if you could see over the bar, you could get a drink.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: yeah. So, would you ever? want to sing professionally again?
1: Um, yeah, I would. Yeah, but I I'd have it take me a while to get back get my chops back.
0: Yeah, it's a muscle like, like anything else, right?
1: Yeah. And prof- I mean it's different sitting in your house playing a song, yeah. you know, Linda Ronstadt's song or whatever. And <laughs> then being on stage and playing with the band and yeah. It's such a thrill. Yeah. I mean it, it there's there's nothing like it. Yeah and yeah but i mean now that i've shifted to like being an editor for a magazine and stuff i'm still super interested in the in the music scene and watching it and mm-hmm. seeing you know um it's it's kind of interesting to keep an eye on it
0: definitely um crap i was going to say something i forgot it
1: last year well 2 years ago i was uh styling one of the shops downtown in, walk, in walks Mary Chapin Carpenter, one of my... I knew she was playing. I couldn't get a ticket. <laughs> and, um, well, a little before Mary Chapin walked in there, Christine Langdon, one of the girls I used to sing with, she happened to walk by, and I'm like chit-chatting with her. I'm like, come on in, chit-chat. And I'm um, like, trying to get a ticket to the show tonight. She goes, I got one. And I'm like, well, if you find one, I, you don't want to go. Well, in in walks Mary Chapin, and... I'm dumbfounded <laughs> looking at her, and I'm looking at Christine and I said, I'm going for it. Yeah. And I said, I'm so excited you're in town and um, I'm so sad that I can't see you tonight. I mm. said, we used to sing, you know, um, so many of your songs in our group and she, Oh, who are you? And I said, well, we have a cow, we had a cowgirl band and we used to sing. I used to sing this song and, Christine would sing that song, and she goes, "Oh, I'm so flattered." She goes, "Well, you can have two tickets." And oh, that's I, awesome. Yeah, so it was really a fun thing for me because this it is kind of nice when small town kind of happens here.
0: Yeah, I have a confession to make.
1: You don't know who she is.
0: I've of all the artists <laughs> you've said, I've I only know Tracy Chapman and Nitty Gritty Dirt Band.
1: You need to do a little homework. Then. I do. Yeah. Okay. You but that, would know her songs because a lot of other people do them. She's yeah. a songwriter and a singer.
0: I'll write. It, I'll write her down. What's her
1: Mary Chapin Carpenter?
0: How do you spell her last, her middle name?
1: C H A P I N.
0: C H A P I N.
1: And hopefully she won't hear your podcast,
0: Carpenter. <laughs> If Yeah, Mary, if you're listening to this, <laughs> message one of us um so you can come on and um, sing you can your songs. you can sing your songs. You can yell at me. You can do whatever you need to do. Um I apologize. I am only 27. Okay.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's definitely a, de- a folk scene you need to revisit. Okay. Yeah. yeah,
0: I'll check them out. Maybe if you can, if we get done, can you text me like a listening list? I'll go through and check them all out. Yeah. Do my homework. Let you know what I think.
1: Yeah, that's good. Awesome. Um, so, what are you doing with your marketing business? I wanted that you've got your side hustle. Tell me a little bit about your side hustle.
0: Yeah, well, um like I said we do the stuff for Stillworks. Um it's right now we're in that battle of growth versus bandwidth because both my partner and I we have day jobs that are substantial like tech sales is up there with the most um one of the most intense careers. Um so we're constantly battling like adding new clients versus our sanity versus like how can we provide a good service with what we have. Um, so kind of the mission right now is to, is me being here actually later after we're done, I'm going to go to the bird and hire a guy that can help me with some content creation. Um, so, so our idea is to build out, you know, have a handful of content creators that are independent contractors that can help us with stuff take some of the man hours off my plate so that I can do more of the strategy stuff and getting right. more client stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and get him on, get his name's John, get it, get him up to speed quick enough so I can say like, you know, here's the posting plan for still works for the month like it's your job to go get all the content, you know, and I can and then I can be looking around for new clients. Yeah. And speaking our mission and and be and be the strategy behind the stuff, but like the day to day we're trying to get try to get that uh, to plate. other people yeah
1: because yeah. social media is so strong so um so vibrant and there there's so much you can do with it and, yeah. and and the playing field is getting more sophisticated yeah and it it's it's not just um i mean you're you're selling an ad every time you get on there
0: yeah band. yeah there's that balance what we try to do it still works is the balance between like a selling post Versus just a branding post versus like a community lifestyle. post lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big push that we're doing right now. Like, um, yeah. It, have you seen this? The, what is it? The social experiment? What is the social the, dilemma? Social dilemma. Yeah. I have. have you seen that?
1: It's kind of scary.
0: Yeah. Taylor and I watched it together and she was like, well, this is terrifying. And, and I'm it's like, very scary, honey, this is how Alex and I make money by yeah. knowing how this works. Yeah. And, when sometimes I'll talk, be talking to people and they'll be like, "Yeah, TikTok's kind of cool," and I like I go nerd mode about the TikTok algorithm, and then they're, they just see that I see it in their eyes when I lose them, yeah. and they're like, "What is this guy talking about?" Yeah. See some conspiracy theorist? <laughs> I'm like, no, I just know how it works.
1: Yeah, and it and it it does work. Yeah, and I love that it works. I also won't mind the day that I don't have to strategize and organize Mm -hmm. and um be on social media because it it really commands a lot of my a lot of my time yeah even just scheduling and making sure that everybody it gets covered in a month you know every on a monthly basis and okay this is a it's seasonal and it's also you know what did you post last month so you're trying to get you know a lifestyle post the next time as opposed to like a product yeah, you, know, you just have to really think through so many angles of a posting so that people, so the algorithm and that other people aren't, that they're still entertained by what you're doing. You yeah.
0: Know? Something that we go off <laughs> of is um, when we're running these accounts, it's give, give the audience a reason to follow the account without being a customer of the business, without right. necessarily being a customer of the business, right? People could... You could buy all the vodka, the Silver's vodka in the world, but we're trying to say, here's some other stuff to look at that you might find enjoyable mm-hmm. um, in addition to that.
1: Yeah, it, it pleases them, it entertains them, and then they get to know you, get to know the product yeah. in so many different facets, yeah. and I I love all of it, completely love it. I love doing it um, for the Scout Guide Um and it it's working really well, especially in Jackson Hole, because we have such a following just to our community—just yeah. people wanting to be a part of, wanting to see what's happening here. Yeah. Um, Would you have
0: twenty thousand know, now?
1: Twenty point one k. Yeah. Nice congratulations. That one k is pretty. <laughs> yeah, it means a lot. It Was hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it it's it's um, I mean you you have to be a player in that field. I I you know, I believe that um a business has to be playing in that. Like, yeah. It's not like you can just decide not to do it.
0: There's there's some businesses in like uh if they have like if they're on the square, they're gonna get that in person traffic where they may not need to focus a ton on social media. And we've we've worked with other businesses like that where they're all in person, maybe it's like a retail, like, you know, like hole in the wall, mm-hmm. maybe doesn't need so a social media focus. Mm-hmm. They're going to, they're going to make their money. Right. But, but uh, actually the inspiration, why, why we started our company was, um, uh, my family has a cabin in Northern Wisconsin and I'd be out at restaurants at bars. And I'd say I have a marketing degree from a school that was nearby there. And, These random people who had random businesses like, you know, fish guiding or like roofing or painting cabins or whatever, without knowing anything about me, they just say, Can you do my social media? out of nowhere because they started to know that they need to be doing it, but they have no clue how to do it and they don't want to do it. Right. And so that combination was why we started the company and saw. There's something here. There's mm-hmm. going to be other like we. I heard it a lot, like too many times. I hear it a lot too. Yeah.
1: And and really surprisingly enough, I um so I've kind of made it a kind of that that you have to be on Instagram in order to be in the guide. Now we have to yeah. have some kind of business platform for you because that's that's how we're engaging for you, and you need to be on the other end of it. Yeah. Um, and I had literally had several people that didn't didn't know anything, and that's one of my jobs is to educate them and mm-hmm. walk them through it and show them how to do it and um you know get them up to speed yeah of kind of the minimum of what they might need to be doing yeah but um
0: right. at a, at a minimum, minimum it just takes a little bit of consistency mm-hmm. like the i there's so many businesses business business owners that I've tried to tried to get as clients and they are like. No, I think we're just gonna have like one of our guys do it, like part time or something. We'll give him a little bit more death. money. Kiss a death. I know, and Jesus they're do a, and then I see the post and it's like once a month and it's just like it's like the scatterbrain stuff. It's it's the the whole thing where they're like, oh crap, I gotta post something like today or tomorrow, mm-hmm. and then they just oh here's a thing, a thing that I can post. It's like no strategy behind it, no thought behind it. No, what are we trying to do with this post? Who are we trying to reach with this post? and we're not i mean we're not we're we're two guys and a girl of a marketing team yeah. marketing company so we're not like super strict or formal but we think about that stuff mm-hmm. it's a little bit it's a little bit um uh what's the word unconscious a little bit now mm-hmm. but we think about it and then so many small businesses are just like let's oh post um let's just do this thing or like let'll do we'll do a discount well there's you
1: know? so many podcasts and things and there's yeah. so much educ stuff you can be educated on it so easily yeah. that it, it's kind of hard for me to understand that somebody wouldn't just take a couple hours and just try to, you know, kind of get the overview of bird's eye view of, of how to do it. Yeah. You know?
0: If those are uncomfortable, they actually go the other way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the one that has, has the microphone is in your right ear. Yeah. And those you've been kind of adjusting them a little bit. But yeah, that sound any better? Do yeah. I sound not reversed? same hello hello um yeah i think so i think with that concept of the main, the, like the main street thing a handful of businesses here that i've approached they they don't need, they can get kind of lazy with their marketing efforts mm-hmm. because they're like you know our storefront or whatever is our biggest investment we don't really want money to go elsewhere like why would how would google ads help us how would posting about our store help us when we get three million people through here every every summer
1: it's a tough sell yeah actually yeah but um I think if, if they're looking beyond that, you know, especially with COVID hit last year, you saw a lot of businesses that had to shift to online Yeah. because of that. And it was a really good thing for them because you're garnering all these people here that could be your future client mm-hmm. instead of waiting for just the ones that showed up through your door. Yeah, exactly. And um, thinking through that process of shifting to online sales and, Having a shop online, and oh, I love that boutique in Jackson Hole. Yeah, I'm going to go online and buy from them when I'm not in Jackson Hole. Yeah, you
0: know? yeah. Even if even if you want to do something as easy like an Instagram shop thing, or mm-hmm. or like maybe it still is in person traffic, but you can direct in person traffic through Google Ads. Mm-hmm. That's something what still works. We we're on their Google Ads too, and we we put a focus on like getting people to the window to buy sloshies and drinks and do stuff at the window this summer. And they were slammed every single day. Yeah. Just because of that simple thing, a digital change made an in-person impact. Yeah. An in-store impact.
1: And I I think that's why I really do love the Scout Guide so much is that it kind of gives the person that's committing to the marketing the breadth of so much more than just okay here's your magazine and you're waiting for someone to pick up that magazine Mm -hmm. and then you're kind of covering each base you know through social media print um editorial pieces email marketing yeah you're just kind of covering everything and you get so much bang for your buck Mm -hmm. um i have a full-time job giving people bang for their (laughs) yeah
0: yeah i mean it's it's kind of a you it wouldn't be going as well as it is if it didn't provide results, and it's kind of an interesting um, little case study example of like of of print marketing still working. Like mm-hmm. every everywhere we read, we say print is dead, print is dead, digital only. But this is the Scout Guide's a business, a national business based off of print. print, and then the ancillaries are those other things you just mentioned, mm-hmm. and it's working. Yeah, right.
1: Yeah, it's, so it's supporting the print. Yeah, so that print can live yeah and um it and plus presenting people selling people through a lifestyle um lifestyle
0: lifestyle is like the thing like culture like we see it everywhere like you see the trends what like whatever institutions are running the culture at the moment are the trends you see from um consumers like like you see a lot of millennial kids are really into the nba so you see a lot of those fashion statements basketball is picking up again that kind of stuff through covid um exploring camping hiking that culture picked up because more people were like you know i can't do anything in san francisco right now let's go to jackson or something right Mm -hmm. and i saw way more people that like getting into the lifestyle of of the mountain lifestyle right than did before and wanting it yeah
1: yeah wanting in on it.
0: Yeah, and like friends of mine who like didn't really weren't really into it or like coming out here like asking me stuff and I'm like stay away. <laughs> Valley's full.
1: <laughs> very full. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, but so. it's like it's cool. It's like it sucks that we have like more traffic and it's busy, but it's very cool that people are it being interested in this thing that we that you and I love. Mm-hmm. This mountain scene.
1: Yeah. No, it, and it's so much more, I mean I mean this valley has, has so much to offer and you know, we want people to love it when they come here. Yeah. You know, and you want them to, you want them to sniff out the cool stuff and. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, we um, so around the corner here, there's a there was a house, and when we were walking the dogs by, their their car was stuck right on the edge of the driveway. It just snowed a bunch, and they clearly didn't know what they were doing, so we stopped and helped and got them unstuck. Like I dug them out and everything, and then we were walking away. And I was like. Shit! I shouldn't have done that because now they're gonna say everyone in Jackson's so nice and they dug us out of the <laughs> snow and then they're gonna come back, <laughs> and it's like that th- 2 thing of like I want to be a good person and like people, but I also <laughs> don't want as many people here.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, it's um, I I I I feel like it's going to it's going to shake out the way it needs to shake out because of the housing and yeah. you know who needs to be here will be here and I'm not. I mean we have we have boundaries that are going to limit all yeah. of that so
0: yeah yeah partially physical like the yeah. mountains uh-huh. partially legal right yeah. right like we have a lot of just legal boundaries where there's just not I mean I, I don't know what situation happens where they're like yeah let, you know Warren Buffett here's a little bit of Grand Teton National Park you can have you can develop a housing thing here mm-hmm. I don't really see that happening but a situation I've been trying to toy with in my head so like we were just saying the mountain the explorer the hiking lifestyle is really popular right now. The skiing thing is really popular, being out in natural areas, very popular right now. What what happens to shift that trend and away a little bit or even flat flat it flatten it out to where it was more like it's not like the number one destination. It's not like the only thing people are trying to do. What situation do we think happens where it it, it calms down a, a touch? Is there one?
1: Um, I'm not sure. Um, I, I don't know. I I I think it's just going to keep. Yeah. Growing. I know. <laughs> I I can't. I, I
0: It's more of like a devil's advocate. Yeah. Thing. I'm like, what could happen? Kind of in like. When I get in the headspace of like wanting to, you know, someday buy a house here, thinking about like the market, like it's never, it's never gone down here, Mm -hmm. but what situation might make it slow down a little bit? And I'm trying to come up with something and I can't.
1: I don't, I don't see it. Yeah. I just, I think that, I think that we're, we're in a really special, lucky place that way.
0: Yeah. Maybe the day where like, there just is no room for like workers like zero there is maybe there will be that day someday Mm -hmm. you know i've heard i've heard people talk about um i think it's sun valley like nobody like it's it's all vacation homes now like there's the the lack of workforce housing is much more extreme than here Mm -hmm. so that's why it's not like one of the top destinations you know Mm -hmm. so maybe that maybe there's a situation but i don't know
1: Mm mm-hmm yeah, I think the community is responding to it yeah. really well here, mm-hmm. and um, filling the gaps. And you know, especially for people that are in the real workforce of like keeping the economy going here. Yeah, and not just working for for another business somewhere else. Yeah, but um,
0: maybe maybe if they can, we can do a train through under Teton Pass. <laughs> that might be one. That would help relieve the pressure.
1: So have you been backcountry skiing a lot?
0: Yeah, I that's the that's why I did I did that today actually. Um I didn't get a pass this year because I was was unsure of the, what they would do for the COVID same. rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they stopped selling them and then they put them back on sale and I they were, they were gone like an and hour. We
1: missed, we did the exact same thing yeah. because um we always get a pass. Yeah. And my husband was like this seems like a funky year i don't want to have to sign up to go ski every day and, yeah and that's not how we live you know we like to have the pass the weekend ski on two hours in the afternoon on exactly, the prettiest yeah. day of the the week and yeah. um but it really hurts your pocketbook to have to pay for it every time you go yeah we, don't, and we didn't like it this year at all
0: yeah and i've been adding it up and like the whole scheduling thing and i think i'll still spend as much as i did on a pass for like six days I or know, something you I know? know
1: so next year i'm i'm definitely in for my pass. yeah
0: and i totally messed up because our neighbor over here is um ned Watson, the director of marketing at the resort so i was like asking him as the stuff would develop like hey what's going on what's going on he'd tell me and i still didn't get <laughs> didn't the pass in time yeah
1: i need i might need his information <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I i don't know if he knows that i that uh so you're the second person to ask for his information from the <laughs> podcast. So I don't know if I'm at I'm I don't know if I'm allowed to give that out.
1: Well, I might buy it from you, so just keep it in mind. Okay. It'd <laughs> be a good one to have. Yeah. Uh, but yeah,
0: I went out to uh Phillips Ridge today just to something low and just get a little ride in. because um, 'cause it's been it's been really windy up high, so the wind slab stuff is, is really bad right now. Like yeah. it was it was at a five, uh, a high um, risk level at the highest elevation.
1: Do your puppies come with you?
0: They do. Yeah. They love it. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're absolutely a hundred percent made for this. And yeah. that's, I got Bridger because I knew I wanted to be outside all the time. And in the winter, I didn't want a dog that would have any issue with that. Like, right. Even like a lab or something, their paws really aren't meant for it, but Mm-mm. he's Husky, Malamute and German Shepherd. And then Maverick is all Husky. So like they're if they ever complain, I'm like, you're meant to be pulling a sled. You boys both meant to be pulling a sled across Alaska. Yeah. Yeah. You have. I I told them them today they're being they were getting they're kind of whining when I was getting dressed to go out because they wanted me to go faster. And I was like, you fuckers have the best life for a Husky and a Husky Malamute that you could ever ask for. You You drive five minutes to your activities. So they don't even, Bridger doesn't love cars, but they don't have to drive a lot of places. You get to be in the snow or in the mountains every single day. Like they running, live. playing. Yeah, yeah, running, playing. They don't Sneeping. have a fenced in yard and they've learned like this is their yard. So they're like never on leash. So like quit complaining, Bridger.
1: <laughs> For those
0: just listening, Bridger is sleeping next to us here. But yeah. Do you do any backcountry stuff?
1: I'm not backcountry girl. I'm a groomer girl, yeah. and that's the way it is. Yeah, yeah. I I really learned to ski when I went to college in Boulder, mm-hmm. and older, and so I'm kind of. I wouldn't. I would love. I would love the skinning part. Yeah. I would really love the skinning part, yeah. just to get a lot of exercise. Yeah. But I think I'd be terrified to ski down. My husband's like, "Yeah, the skinning. You would love that, but I know everybody wants." the ski down part but that doesn't really interest me at all
0: because of like the avalanche risk or like what? yeah
1: i'm just not a powder skier oh
0: interesting not I a powder know. skier I living know. in jackson Hole. i know i think you're the only I, one
1: I, I i'm sure i'm the only one and <laughs> my secret's out now yeah so, okay nobody
0: nobody's listening it's okay no. <laughs>
1: i'm i'm really i mean terrified to pull my powder skis i used them yesterday yeah. and they actually i i told my husband i made peace with them yesterday <laughs> so <laughs> what kind do fine. you have um i don't know, some S- solomon nice Just
0: solomons are good yeah yeah um i got into split boarding i got i got my split board last christmas and getting into it has been like a total new, totally a new way to love snowboarding and love being in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Like it's totally different than riding in the resort and going up and getting a bunch of runs in, but, but equally, if not more rewarding,
1: it's pretty cool concept. This yeah. Yeah.
0: Thing. And, and be able to do with the dogs. Like, so I can knock, you know, two birds out with one stone. I can get, I can take them on a walk, take myself on a walk, mm-hmm. get a ride in, get out in nature. And like, I've never like, I've been probably one of the best shapes I've ever been just, 'Cause I'm doing that all the time. Yeah. Um and like the headspace that I'm in, I can go clear my head from, you know, financial software during the day, go climb a mountain in the woods or just do something low and chill and really just clear my head of everything and you get can't those buy endorphins. That. Yeah.
1: You really can't. And yeah. it is one of the beauty beautiful things about living here is that it just takes an hour to get out to do that. Yeah. And That's you like, know, it it it's really I mean, I just, a lot of times I'll just keep my cross country skis in the back of the car and, Mm -hmm. you know, I can pop out for, for an hour and just do it. Like you said, clear your head and it's just part of the day. Yeah. And I feel really lucky to be able to do the two businesses that I have and then I can go out and ski for an hour or or whatever. That's like going for a run. Yeah. You know? Um,
0: Yeah. Instead of like running through a neighborhood, I can go climb Mount Glory. Mm -hmm. and that's you know that that take me like an hour and a half you you do that before work and that's just that could just be tuesday
1: oh that's all it takes
0: yeah well for me oh (laughs) some people go slower but i mean at the most at the most the climb the climb is like an hour and 10 probably Mm -hmm. but yeah i uh (laughs) i don't think i've shared this on the podcast yet but um a a few weeks ago i had this stomach ache and i was like taylor's a nurse i was like hey i'm feeling shitty like what should I do? And she said, okay, I'll get you a COVID test, even though that's not really a symptom. But she got one from Lindsay at house call and took it. And they're they're supposed to be 24 to 48 hours. You get the results because you pay for overnight shipping and the thing. And for some reason it got stopped somewhere. It took like five days. (laughs) So we were waiting and we had some guests coming. So I was like, well, we don't, I don't know what to do. Like, do we tell them to not come whatever. So I was like, all right, I'll go climb Mount Glory. And I'll go as fast as I can. And if I don't have any issues, I don't have COVID. Because there's no <laughs> chance I could climb Mount Glory. And I did it in a record time, my own PR. There's no way chance I could set my own PR on Mount Glory with an upper respiratory infection or disease. Right? So you got your, Not own a test, your own test kit. Yeah. <laughs> a test kit up there. It's t- just over 10,000 feet tall.
1: <laughs> well, you could try to market that one. That would be a really good one. Market which one? Market your test kit. Yeah, the Mount (laughs) Glory test
0: kit. (laughs) Yeah. Well, should we wrap up here? We're um. Let me see. An hour and fifteen minutes. See when you when I first said at the beginning when I said it'll take about an hour, you like kind of like were like, whoa, that's a long time. That's
1: a long time to chit chat.
0: Yeah, but once you get going and yeah, you
1: get in the groove and you get the Tyler groove going and (laughs) get the (laughs) Tyler
0: groove. I keep asking open ended questions and you. You know, you're telling us all your career and it goes, it can, you can fill it up really easily.
1: Yeah. I didn't think I had that much to say. Really?
0: <laughs> everybody thinks that everybody, when I ask people to come on, they're like, yeah, oh, I don't have anything to say. And then those are the ones that have the best, the best episodes. Like the episode, my, my last episode is a guy named Scott Austin. Do you know him? Mm-mm. He, he works for uh, the Jackson Hole shooting experience. Um, he's oh, cool. a, he's a gun safety instructor. And then he also works for the Jackson Hole Bible college as the Dean of Students. And I brought him on because I wanted to talk like bear safety, wilderness safety, that kind of stuff. Cause I took a class from him in the fall, uh, a firearm safety class. And we learned about like that with bears and I got to shoot pepper spray and all that stuff. So I brought him on for that. And then he talks about his actual career. And he talks about, he's got, he goes on these trips where they look at um, geological sites around the West through a creationist perspective. Cool. So instead of thinking, you know, this was formed over millions of years, the ev- evolutionists' perspective, like the traditional science, they say, you know, based on what we've read in the Bible, we think it this was created this long ago because of a lot of it comes back to the like Noah's flood, mm-hmm. or the Great Flood. Um, but like a totally separate section of the conversation that I did not expect to come in come was like super cool.
1: Yeah, and that is really cool yeah. stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, was awesome. I was
1: trying to get my my daughter, my little daughter, who is a little bit younger than you, um, she's into contemporary art and art. She always has been into a lot of that. But they they had a program, like a summer program through CWC, where you can just live live out on the other side of Dubois, and all you you know you had a different project, archaeological project every summer. You, oh, sweet! We backpacked all summer. And all you did was collect, like, they were doing this one dig where they found a a site where the Indians had run all the buffalo off the edge of the cliff. Oh, sweet. And they found the burial site for all the...
0: How many buffalo were there? I
1: I don't remember, but it was such a cool project. Yeah. And um, there's so many neat things like that about Wyoming that you have no idea, like, and that perspective is yeah. certainly pretty unique.
0: Yes, definitely unique. He was able to show me um, another example it was uh, we couldn't we couldn't find a picture of it but there was a uh, there's like this tree in Australia that goes that is like in the in the ground. And based off of traditional science, they would say like each of these bands of sediment are like you know a million years or something mm-hmm. like that. A lot and the way the tree is using their, that theory is, um, the tree would have been stuck there for like millions of years, like, and the tree basically is like going through time, you know? Right. It's like kind of hard to explain, but so that, that was an example that he brought up saying like, Hey, maybe this way of aging things isn't exactly You're correct right. in all uh-huh. situations. Cause that tree obviously wasn't there for millions of years to get to get for it to be covered by the all those different layers of sediment mm-hmm. right It's right. probably more of a flash flood example or something like that mm-hmm. but yeah super cool stuff
1: have you ever been over to dubois and seen the petroglyphs and and things
0: no i've only driven like I, i've been up to like togety pass but never really hung out around dubois
1: you've got to go to the little museum over there at some point
0: is it in in the, in the town
1: where yeah, it? it's so super cute. And yeah. they, but they will take you can ask them and they'll take you, drive you out to the rocks where all the all the renderings and oh, things yeah. are in it. And it's and you feel like you're just back in time. Yeah. It's that's so wild. super cool.
0: I will I'm definitely gonna do that.
1: Yeah, take your girlfriend and go over there, take the dogs and it, it's yeah. such a cool experience and you're just like, whoa, this is Nobody knows about this almost. Yeah. It's like this huge secret. Yeah. But there I don't know just there's so many neat things about Wyoming that way and um Definitely. And anyway, we well, thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you for coming. And um, as
0: a as a closing note, um tell everyone where they can find you, uh, the Scout Guide and your um and your business on any social medias or websites that, that you want to
1: Yeah, to. so be sure to follow us on uh, TSG Jackson Hole. That's mm-hmm. the Scout Guide Jackson Hole. That's our Instagram. Yeah. Um, look for our beautiful guide around town. Mm-hmm. And then um, my side hustle, Styling the New West. Mm-hmm. I have a website for that. Um, and Instagram handle is Styling the New West. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Look for the ornaments.
0: Yes, look for the (laughs) ornaments. Um, Yeah, if anybody needs me to send that to them or connect them with Jill, let me know, and I will do that. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming. All right, bye, everybody.